Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? We have Nick Gray, editor-in-chief of Fandroid, back on the show. And uh, while at the end of the episode, we do talk a little bit about our reactions to WWDC, a couple of the, let's say, kind of all of branches that iOS is making towards the non-iOS users, with FaceTime being able to be used across other ecosystems, uh, we actually talk mostly in this episode about earbuds. I mean, we had two releases of earbuds this week, and one of them is the hotly anticipated Sony WF-1000X Mark IVs. We both have them, we both love them, and we tell you why. All of that and more on this episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. Let's go ahead and get into it. Enjoy. Okay, now hopefully everything works just fine. Everything's working without any hitches or anything like that because I'm finally back in my office. Unfortunately, um, our view, our listeners rather, are not able to view it because this is not a video podcast, but I had to get my whole thing set up here in my office because I'm going to go ahead and uh, shirk some of the goodwill that I've uh, that I've amassed as host of the Pocket Now Weekly. Um, I'm, uh, I'm gonna do a little bit of self-promotion. I'm actually going to start live streaming on Amazon Live, Amazon's live streaming platform pretty soon. Um, in a rather crude sense, it's like I'm doing, um, HSN. <laughs> and you know what HSN is, right? Home Shopping Network. <laughs> Congratulations, like- Josh. You got a promotion. <laughs> pretty much. I, I, it's not going to be, it's not quite that style obviously like the content can be whatever i want it to be so it is the return of the tech and tea podcast um so i will talk about tech products in the show but it's not like i'm gonna sit here and go oh you're gonna love it like oh yes and and for only 4.99 you're gonna blah 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 blah. and like it's not gonna be like that but it it seems to fit because for somebody like me and isa will talk about this all the time uh being from a country where amazon doesn't even exist she is always astonished whenever she hangs out with me or whenever she's here with me in just how much i use amazon <laughs> and and like uh i i just i I'm, I'm always looking for like the next upgrade or like the next thing that will help my creative <laughs> process or my diet or you know my every even tea stuff like that mug you're drinking right now i used to get off amazon yeah, the issue with Amazon is that it's ever present and ever just one click away and mm-hmm. deliveries can be as soon as this afternoon. So, I mean, we had three packages show up today from Amazon and we had two yesterday and I think one on Monday. It's just a constant flow. And the good thing is it's a replacement, especially this last year for the regular shopping trips that we used to take to Target, to Walmart, or, you know, even some things that we'd buy at the grocery store, uh, you know, things that, you know, aren't perishable, you can now get on Amazon. And the convenience of having it just show up at your doorstep without you having to go to the store, put it in the car, take it out Mm -hmm. of the car, bring it in your house, it just shows up. The downside, I have way too many Amazon boxes that we crush on a weekly basis. Yeah, same. Absolutely. I have like three right over there. The thing is, I usually hold on to the boxes because with all of the stuff I bring in and out of my office, and I'm going to be doing that more and more often now that I have to come in here and do live streams. Um, yeah, I uh, I have so many boxes that I use to just transport things. Uh, 
So I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm very like Nick was uh, giving me some grief earlier because like again we don't have viewers of this, but I actually have a two camera setup, so I can actually show products, and Nick is the only person who can see what I'm doing. But I have an overhead rig to be able to show these products, and I've 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 painstakingly set this all up just for my YouTube videos. I hit record on everything, and of course edit. But now it's all going to be done live because as you can, well I, I guess you can't see it, but hold on, let me just change this. Um, there's a HDMI switcher over here and my audio interfaces over here, which I was getting stressed out at the beginning of the show because for some reason my voice was coming in like 20 pitches lower or what's the term for that? It's not decibels. I don't know. It, it, it sounded like he was an old man with a cold. <laughs> That's the thing. I need this whole setup to work it's because on Tuesday is when I'm doing it. So anybody who's listening right now, um, you know, you can follow me on social media, on JV Tech T on Instagram and probably on TikTok. I'll also do the announcement that I'm going to be marketing this show pretty heavily because um, not only is it a resurrection of my personal podcast, but it's also an opportunity for me to be on a new platform thanks to Amazon. So it's kind of tech and tea with Joshua Vergara powered by Amazon in a way. <laughs> so it's a whole new frontier for me. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how episode number one goes. I'm sure you'll have some findings after the first one and yeah. probably a couple changes as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm hoping that this is like a good, stable setup in general. Uh, but in any case, let's go ahead and get into this particular podcast before I talk too much about my podcast. Um, and by the way, thank you everybody who supports my efforts here on Pocket Now, and I have plenty of other projects on top of all of this, which is why uh, it's taken me a while to actually get started with the Amazon Live. So many things I'm juggling. But with that said, I do have a couple of anecdotes, um, and the the second one is more tech related. So we'll get to that in a second. But since I'm coming to my office, um, the the part of Southern California that I live in is kind of a. So if you live in SoCal, there's just one route that you take to get to Las Vegas, and and anybody who lives in SoCal knows this. It's the route we take to go to CES if you're coming from LA. You basically take the 15 freeway. You have to find your way to connect to the 15 freeway and then go 15 north all the way until you hit the strip. It's just one way. Uh, 70, I think I think the speed limit 75, all of that. The thing is, the gateway to the 15 freeway is not far from where my office is. So as I was coming in, there was a massive amount of traffic. And every time I see that traffic, I'm like, oh, it's Friday or Thursday. Everyone's going to Vegas. <laughs> so that's always what I keep thinking. Um, did you ever take that? Did you ever take the roads to? Because I know you did road trips and whatnot. One time you came to mm -hmm. LA and I wasn't here. Um, but yeah, have you ever taken those roads to to CES? Uh, I did not take them to CES. Well, maybe we went from we were in the Bay Area around uh, Thanksgiving time. We made our way down the coast. After that, spent Christmas and New Year's in um, not Christmas, not New Year's. Christmas in San Diego and then San Diego we went to Death Valley for New Year's stayed in a casino right outside Death Valley right across the border in Nevada and then from there went all the way to Vegas for CES that one year that we we were traveling on the road full-time mm -hmm. uh, so not can't recall which road we were on but it was from San Diego instead of the LA area Ah, okay. I'm, so, I'm sure it meets up somewhere along the way there. Exactly. If you come up, actually from San Diego, you could just get on the 15 and just go. Um, and it's the entire, I've done that trip as well. That adds about two more hours to the already three hour trip uh, to Vegas. But yeah, it's just one of those things that I thought was funny as I was driving over. I'm like, oh, so like it, it, 
I find myself watching so many travel videos uh, recently, uh, mostly about Japan because it's my favorite place to go. But also, like, I, there's this. I feel like there's this feeling that we're finally going to get to. We're finally getting to a place where we can start planning for things to happen soon. And CES hopefully is going to be the first major thing that we all get to go to because IFA unfortunately got canceled, like officially. And mm-hmm. I mean, isn't MWC happening in like two weeks? <laughs> Yeah, MWC is supposed to be happening at the end of this month, um, and they just announced for the first time that they're opening it up to the public, and that's most likely because no press are going to be showing up for this show uh, that they decided not to cancel, and there's so many big uh, tech companies that decided to pull out already, and I'd imagine a couple more might before it's finally here. It's going to be a weird thing. Like they, you can't technically, you can technically move the date for a trade show, but when you move it from February until June, companies aren't ready for product announcements. That's not a time frame that they typically launch new products. So why mm. would most of these companies show up unless they have something in the pipeline that's going to be releasing around that time frame? But typically, they plan for it earlier in the year. So there's really not a whole lot of incentive for some of these companies just to show up because they've got nothing new to show off. Yeah, and and the few companies that we might have seen that are going to be there, funny enough, they're going to do everything remotely. Like they're doing, isn't Qualcomm going to do a speech? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name, but he's going to do like a keynote speech. But it's it's pre-recorded. It's 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 at the very least going to be streamed mm-hmm. uh, on the website rather than them actually going. So it's like who? That's the reason why I was because Jaime and I were talking about it for a little bit. Like, would we actually go? And and Barcelona is one of. Jaime's favorite places in the world um and Mine to be able well. oh okay there you go and for you guys to be able to go in the middle of summer like that's a pretty interesting prospect like that actually seems like a good time it does until you realize barcelona is really hot in the summer oh like in, in february it's not super cold but it's a little bit chilly but one time in it's the snowed, summer remember yeah one time it snowed yeah well so here's the thing barcelona is typically and a regular year, super busy during the summer for all the tourists that are in town. There's definitely not going to be as many tourists in town because of this, uh, because of the coronavirus. But, you know, with the people that show up for MWC, who knows, you know, what that typically is. But on a regular year, it's an influx of 150 to 200,000 people into the city for, you know, a week to 10 days. Um, but the city's kind of built for that that's kind of the max capacity of it Mm -hmm. so imagine in a regular year when the city's busy for summer and then also you add mwc on top of that like hotels would you wouldn't be able to find a room to go to mwc or a lot of tourists wouldn't be able to find a room to go to the city just because it's all booked up for mwc yeah indeed um i can only imagine what it would be like don't get me wrong i think that I, i do like barcelona um, it's been pretty well documented that I've had a bad experience there, so it's not my favorite place. But um, yeah, being able to see it at the end of June in the middle of the summer, I, I think that would be a good time. Granted, I'll never carry anything with me as I'm walking around in the beaches and whatnot. But um, but yeah, I think it would be a nice time. Uh, and with like the travel stuff opening up, I just thought it was funny that this morning when I woke up, I saw an article on The Verge by Dieter Bonn. Bonn? Dieter Bonn? Um, Bonn. Bowen, Bone. Um, I can never remember how to 
really pronounce his last name. But anyway, uh, one of the main contributors over at The Verge, uh, he put out an article that said that that was basically him recounting all of the items he brings to hotel rooms to make his morning coffee. And I was like, hey, that's me. <laughs> I do Except that. for tea. Yeah, I, I usually do tea, but I do bring like my own coffee beans. I do make my bulletproof coffee in the morning if I can. Um, but yeah, I was like, these are signs that we're starting to get to a point where maybe within the next month or two, um, I'd be able to go to like New York, Seattle, San Francisco for a thing or just on my own. And mm -hmm. hopefully within the next few months, I'll finally be able to see Isa again. Um, so it's just, there's a little bit of hope and I want to put it out there that like, I hope everybody is getting their vaccinations. Everyone's doing their part and hopefully we'll be able to find a way to be able to all, all hang out. Like we've done this show now remotely like this, as, uh, aside from the few times that Jaime has actually been able to be in person here with me. Um, it's been like this via StreamYard, via live stream or not live, but recording the streaming for the better part of a year and a half now. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's one of those things where you can have a conversation over the internet and, you know, we set up a camera so that we can see ourselves and, you know, play off. We set up, we set up good reactions. cameras too. We do, we, we yeah. use the right stuff. Look at this. We, <laughs> we do it right, but there's nothing, <laughs> as good as the cameras are, there's nothing that can truly replace being in the same room as somebody. Totally. And uh, to your point that you were talking about of, you know, maybe traveling for events within the next couple months, uh, a couple uh, PR people, within the tech space have been asking on social media, you know, what kind of trips would you be willing to do? Japan. Uh, if trips, <laughs> well, <laughs> Japan. No, but the more more around, you know, what, what kind of things are you trying to get out of events? And, you know, I, I personally stated like, let's, let's not have an event to talk about 5G because, you know, who cares? Uh, let's talk about, you know, the meaningful products that consumers are actually going to be interested in for the content that we create. We don't want to go you know, not to knock some of these brands, but we don't need another mid-range smartphone uh, because we have a million of them. Uh, we want something that's actually going to be impactful, but also mm -hmm. we want to be able to create those relationships with the PR companies and, uh, you know, the brands themselves so that we can have meaningful um, conversations throughout the year because of those meetings in person as well, because there's nothing that replaces meeting somebody face to face. You actually remember that versus, I don't know how many zoom calls I've had meetings on this year. And it's just another email address and, you know, another little box on the screen versus, you know, hello, I can meet you for the first time and actually have a conversation. Yeah, I think I think by and large, there are a lot of announcements that can just be done over calls, over Zoom calls and stuff like this. Like 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 you were or saying, or just an email, just well, even then, just yeah. send me an email, like just send me the press release, because so many times it's like, here's a 30 minute meeting. Let's create a time slot and turn on our webcams. And like you're just reading the press release and, you know, the <laughs> the reviewers guide. It's, it's PowerPoint just send from that high to school. Me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like just if you're not going to add anything additional to the PowerPoint presentation, just send me the PowerPoint presentation. That's fair. I do agree with that. But if, if it had to be done, it should be via the call so we don't have to actually go somewhere to end up being talked to to our faces about 5G when it's not even put in context. And yeah. the same thing with mid-range to budget devices, I feel like. But I, if I were to if I were to respond to that, let's say, tweet or question, I would say, like, especially if it's a, a high-profile product, whether it's a phone or anything else, put it in context. 
the best mm-hmm. trips we've ever been on are when they announce a phone, then put it in our hands and say, we have put together a couple of things for you to test out the camera, for you to test out actually using it in the real world. Those are the things that actually are super meaningful. And in and of themselves, they are the video that comes out as the hands-on, which is fantastic. That should be the way it is. Yeah. Um, and this is beyond just being like in that briefing room. Uh, where they have like arbitrary sets set up. Like, why is there a cup of tea right next to a lump of clay? Like, why? <laughs> what is this? Because it looks cool, Josh. It looks cool. <laughs> it makes for a good photo. No, yeah. but the it, it does seem like things are starting to come together for life to return to normal. At uh, least here in this country, specifically for us and yeah. and the work that we do. I, I think we're still. Um, I think we're still about two months out from events happening in person but hopefully that can be proven wrong if you know cases continue to decline and vaccination rates still keep going up yeah this is true um as far as the other anecdote that i had especially since we're talking about it in the context of like quarantine and whatnot um if there's one thing that i've learned about myself over the last year ish it's that um granted i when i'm out and about i still don't like having large screens in my pocket like so i'm still not a big phone type person but i have become more and more receptive to it have having been stuck at home or working from home or working from office and i'm just kind of sitting around watching youtube or playing mobile games like wild rift um so one of the one of but but the thing is that actually extended beyond the smartphone i can't really say exactly what company or model yet that i'm working with but i have now an 86 inch tv in my house (laughs) and um let's just say my parents are incredibly happy about that but um first of all or rather the the thing i wanted to mention was do you pay and we're all oversubscriptioned obviously but nick do you pay the extra money to get 4k on netflix so I thought I did. I think we talked about this in a podcast previously, but uh, I thought I did. And then I realized I didn't. Mm. And then I paid for it. And on my 56-inch TV, and you know, even sitting about 10 feet away, I was like, nah, this isn't worth it. Mm. Just because of, I don't know, the quality difference that I saw there. Uh, really wasn't worth it for me. And it could be the content that I was consuming, uh, but even, you know, switching between 4K on HBO Max and I also have 4K with Disney Plus, I really mm-hmm. don't notice the difference between the 1080p stream and those 4K streams and even those other ones being 4K HDR. So it, it could just be me not being, you know, super impressed with 4K content, says the person who's creating 4K content all the time for his videos to put on YouTube. Uh, but, you know, at 10 feet away on a 56-inch TV, eh, for me, is not worth it. Oh, because I, I, I'm on the opposite end. Like, I, it's like 17 bucks a month, which is kind of, when you think about how the history of Netflix as just a general user, that just seems radically just ridiculously expensive for netflix right exactly but you know on a i don't know if it was the size of the tv that kind of mattered for you but like on an 86 which we had to buy all new furniture for because it's literally the largest tv we've ever had um 86 inches of is massive like that's like in context that's 
about 50% in inches wise diagonally larger, but volume, it's like 100% larger mm -hmm. than It took an entire afternoon for my father and I to get that thing set up. And it was heavy. It was like, it's, it's insane. We actually had to put straps on the back and strap it to the stand that we bought so that it wouldn't tip over uh, if anything happened, um, just for extra security. But I, I find the 4K to be kind of, really amazing to be honest like i know that it's inherently um it's inherently what's the term i'm looking for um it's not perfect because it's a streaming platform it's different than having like a 4k blu-ray which i've done before and that's amazing but yeah like we've actually we actually recently rewatched an entire k drama because it actually a korean drama because the experience was like brand new given how clear the content was and how high quality it was so we actually revisited that um and then like loki loki just came out so we watched loki and it was in 4k which was pretty awesome so like i i'm not gonna say that everybody other should actually do it but if you do have a 4k tv and you don't realize that you haven't been getting the full quality out of it at least give it a try um man i was blown away and it's funny because you have the exact opposite. <laughs> reaction. Well, so so here's the thing: the the exact opposite reaction. But we uh, just came back from a, a week long vacation. We stayed in an Airbnb down in Florida, and they had this massive LCD screen TV. I think it was like a 65 inch or a 70 inch, not as big as your one, but with the plastic bevels all the way around. It probably was, um, but this tv only had one hdmi input to tell you how old it was and it was a 1080p panel but then they're like we have cable and then their cable what they were not paying for hd cable they were it well maybe, maybe it was 720p i but it the aspect ratios for for everything was wrong uh, and we're like, I'm flipping through the settings on here. I'm like, you have a TV this massive and the picture looks this crappy. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Fortunately, um, we knew that they probably weren't smart TVs, which they weren't. Ah. And so I brought my uh, Chromecast Ultra with me and put that in and plugged it in. I'm like, oh my gosh, Hi at least it's so HD, much better. Yeah. 4K, and then, you know, being able to stream Netflix so even Netflix at 1080p on that was like so much better than what the quality was that they were used to on a regular basis, which is just beyond me. Why would you have a TV that big and still be looking at standard definition cable on that TV? That, and that's where I'm coming from with this is like, I, I, because the thing is, we already had a larger TV, the 4K capable, but this entire time we weren't paying for the 4K content. So I was just like, oh, when I looked at the subscription plans, I was like, oh, snap, like I should, we should try this out. And then I was just blown away by it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm one of these days, hopefully you'll be able to come by. Actually, I can make you tacos at my house and then make me tacos. I can make I'll you come tacos. by and watch your massive TV. Why you should watch your own videos on a TV that big, especially your 4K videos. And it's kind of it's a new way of experiencing your own content. <laughs> but yeah, takes up the entire wall. Which is funny because obviously we're on YouTube and you were alluding to it earlier, like 4K doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of like what we do, but we strive for it. There are people who probably do content like ours at 480p and get more views. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the thing is like, I, I always want to make sure that people can watch my content and you probably do the same. Watch your content at the best experience and have the best experience possible. So if they are watching it on a large screen TV, 
it will look really good. The issue is we can dig into the numbers and see how many people are watching on a TV, how many people are watching on their computer, how many people are watching on their smartphone. And you can actually exactly. dig into the resolution as to what people are watching at. And you're like, most people are watching at 720p or lower, but good thing I exported at 4K. <laughs> and shot at 4k and did the editing in 4k which takes it's a longer process you know you have to have a a a beefed up computer in order to do that just so that you're not spending a day and a half editing uh but yeah it's it's one of those things you strive to give those that three percent of viewers the best experience possible Well, for those 3% of viewers who are viewing in 4K, we will have 4K content. Uh, actually, probably across the board. I, I got to check with Jaime if he wants me to do this review for Pocket Now as well. Um, but we have a new pair of headphones, a new pair of earphones to be able to talk about. Um, so you are are you actually wearing the Sony WHs right now? I am. Okay. So now we have the WFs. These are truly wireless earbuds. Quick thoughts um, on this notion uh, as we both... Uh, actually, I can... I can go to my overhead rig and <laughs> be able to and show, show it to me and go. show it to you. I have the other color. Uh, Nick is holding the black edition. I have the, um, this is not white. It's the cream. Cream. Is it cream? That's cream a weird gray. Way. That's a weird thing to say. But the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but these are the WF-1000XM4, Mark IV, M4. As It's a weird name. Uh, doesn't roll off the tongue the same way that AirPods or Galaxy Buds Pro does. Um, Sony yeah. just likes to confuse people with their names, but In, indeed. yes. So here we are. And two years ago, the Mark threes, when they came out, they were one of the most beloved pairs out there because it was one of the first pairs that really did active noise cancellation right in a pair of earbuds. Problem was they were massive. <laughs> they were, they, they were, were massive insane. and they were oddly shaped. Mm-hmm. They were extremely oddly shaped and, like these, these are a little bit better, a lot more compact than the previous versions. Uh, but I think where Sony's done it right is introduced a new version of one of the highest regarded earbuds that was out there two years ago and introduced something that's even better by on nearly every count, battery life, audio, noise cancellation, and my main complaint with the last ones was the case was massive. Yeah. And the case for this one, they say, is like 43% smaller than the previous one. The other one, it, like you put it put it in your pocket and you couldn't sit down almost just because it was so wide and so so big. Um, this, this case still isn't tiny by any means, but definitely a lot more pocketable than the previous generation was. Absolutely. Um, the notion I was going to bring up a second ago is, do you think only Sony, I think not even Bose anymore, can garner the same amount of anticipation that these did? Like everyone was looking for leaks. Everyone wanted to see mm-hmm. when the next one was coming out, what it would look like. And then those like leaked renders came out and they're like, whoa, it's a radically different design. And it, it, it looks like it's going to have like all the same features, just better, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it's interesting because I, I felt that way. Like the, the Mark threes were my favorite earbuds of that, of that particular time. It's just, there weren't the ones, let's put it this way. I would never use them in the gym. No. And honestly, I wouldn't use these in the gym either. Um, really? For me, they, they're still a very loose fit. Uh-oh. And 
um, like they now they actually have an IP rating now, so they're you know sweat and water resistant to a certain level. I think it was IPX four, uh, which which is good because the previous ones didn't have an IP rating at all. Uh, so they are meant for you know being used to work out, or if you get caught in the rain, you don't need to worry about them you know succumbing to water damage immediately. But they're still, for me, an odd fit. There's no fin to help hold them into the ear. So being somebody who runs on a regular basis, uh, having these in my ears, I would probably be losing them about 15 steps into my run. Um, and, and just for the fact that I walk down the stairs in the house, not running, and uh, they they kind of come loose a little bit, but uh, I I do have kind of a loose fit ear for a lot of earbuds, uh, so I'm kind of that good test case for you know those odd people with those odd ears that earbuds don't always work for them. Yeah, but how's I'm, the fit I'm, been for you? The thing is, uh, in my videos, and I actually have another pair of earbuds. I'll mention them later. We're not going to talk about them at length, but I'll, I'll mention them later. I have another pair of, pair of earbuds, and in the script for that, I've noticed that I'm starting to put these words in my scripts for truly wireless earbud reviews. I have the most average ears. <laughs> I never That's have to That's a good change. thing when it comes to earbuds. Indeed, but it puts me in a certain category of user that unfortunately is not... Yes, I'm. Yes, I have average ears, which means that I don't even need to change the ear tips. Like they'll just work out of the box. But it's not a luxury. It, it's almost a luxury because I hear from a lot of people like yourself that your ears are a little bit odd, um, odd enough to the point where like the fit's not good enough, or they're either too tight or they're not tight enough, and it's or snug enough, I should say. And yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and I feel weird going into my reviews knowing that I can't speak to that experience you know what i mean well and i think it's a small i don't, I don't want to say it's a tiny percentage but it's a smaller percentage of people who have issues with fit like mm -hmm. i do um and for me it's it's not typically about the the tips themselves it's about just the shape of the earbud not resting somewhere on the inside of my ear to get enough support to stay in. So like the, the tip fits in my ear just fine. Uh, I actually can, you know, I switched over to the small ones on this uh, after you know, testing out the, the ones that came pre-installed, the mediums for about a day and a half. And um, I might switch back to the mediums, but it, it's one of those things where like, just add a little tiny fin, kind of like the pixel buds. And, you know, just so that you can clip it in and it, it wouldn't be an issue at all. Like the Pixel Buds, you know, on their own, aren't the best fit for me, but because they have the fin, they stay in and there's no yeah. issues. So I do have to adjust them, you know, if I'm on a run, uh, just because they work themselves loose so it's not a perfect seal for my ear with the tip, uh, just so I get the better audio, I, you know, adjust it just a little bit, but they don't fall out of my ear. These ones here, because there is no fin, they'll fa they fall out, They've, this morning they fell out of my ears twice. So. Oh, that sucks. Cause and I that's feel, just walking around the house. Like, in my case, they, they fit perfectly fine and they just stay in. And especially because of the, the, the ear tip that they use. It's that memory foam, like the comply foam type ear tip. Yeah. So the if you take it off, the ear tip is, as you said, it's a memory foam. I'm not sure if it's comply memory probably foam not. or not. but It's probably, it's probably uh, first but party. It, but it's actually a silicon on the inside, mm -hmm. and then the the foam is around it. So uh, you kind of get the best of both worlds in that regard. But as you can with comply tips, you can like squeeze it, 
and then jam it into your ear and then it'll expand in your ear canal so that it gets a perfect fit in there, which is really nice. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why the noise cancellation slash isolation of these ear, earbuds is so good, just because you can put these in without them even being on and you'll really get isolated from the noise around you immediately just by having these in your ear without them even doing anything. And so how has the uh, active noise cancellation been for, for, for you? Like it's because with those WHs that you're wearing right now, there are times when I would just put those on, not even play anything. And it's just oh yeah. I, quiet. I use, I use these over the head earphones uh, in my office all the time uh, when I'm doing video editing. And especially now, when it's summer and I have my air conditioner, you heard earlier turning on my air conditioner. It's literally Is it a standing a win- unit. Cause it's like, it's, right- it's a window, it's a window unit. Oh. And it's right now I'm, I'm four feet away from it. And technically I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting a little bit further away than I typically would when I'm sitting in front of my monitor. So I'm typically about two and a half feet away from it and putting, putting the Sony's on um, the over the ear headphones on and turning on the noise cancellation it takes it from this to yeah you you can still tell that something's there but it's not there and so typically the the test for active noise cancellation is go on an airplane can it drown out that the air circulation noise and just the cabin noise from an airplane and for me the air conditioner test is probably just as good because that's where i'm on a regular basis and it it's heavenly and the these earbuds here like when you turn noise cancellation on they kind of have like this it's kind of like this little switch sound but you turn put them in the earbuds come on and then they're like bink the the noise cancellation is on and then it's silent even with this air conditioner right next to me which is yeah. amazing there's there's so many other earbuds that i've tested that do an okay job and but it comes down to is the fit right and then is it fine-tuned for the frequencies that are around you that are going to be most annoying? And, you know, it's, it's not going to be perfect when someone's talking at you, you're trying to have a conversation, or people around you are having a conversation because it's not a, a steady, constant tone that it's trying to isolate and eliminate. But whenever it's, you know, the sound of a car, the sound of street noise, the sound of an air conditioner, the sound of an airplane, it's going to be able to pull those out and completely silence them. You'll still notice them just slightly, but you'll have to actually sit there and listen for it. Mm-hmm. You're using more brain power to understand that, oh, there's a sound. Mm-hmm. And I will interpret it like the brain will interpret it. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I don't have that. I don't have like a air conditioning unit next to me, but I do have what they call a Vornado. By the way, anybody in, I should, I should put that on my Amazon live stream. Um, the Vornado is a fan unit that would be perfect. That's perfect for summer, especially since we're in June right now. Um, so basically what you do with the Vornado is it's a great air circulator. The way that the fan is set up is it's number one, it's loud. That's the reason why I'm bringing it up. So you turn it on even at, even at level one, it's obvious that it's there, but you point it at the corner of the room and it will circulate air. So it's, it's a really good way of like cooling off a room uh, without needing to do a full on AC unit. It's not as cold as an AC unit, but it's very effective. Um, I had that on and I try, I put these earbuds in last night when I was, uh, cause I just got them. Uh, I put them in last night when I was working and the fan was gone. And I was astonished by that, especially since I've been working with a couple of other pairs of earbuds that have ANC and it just doesn't get to that level. So like Sony has really knocked it out of the park. Um, on, on the topic of things that are not very, 
they're not perfect, obviously. Single point connections. Um, mm-hmm. Single point connection is a little bit annoying, and I don't like that. I never like the whole press both ears, press both earbuds to do to activate pairing. That's always a little cumbersome to me. Like it's, I, I prefer the cases that have a button in them, and then you turn them on, and then you hold the button, and you go from there. Um, it's a small gripe, but the other gripe that I have is uh, limited controls. And the fact that you can only use the right earbud if you're going to use it singularly. You can't do that with the left. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I you know, it comes down to which chipset they're using on the inside for it to, you know, the Bluetooth chipset that's pairing with the phone and how that pairs with the other uh earbud. Uh it comes down to how much money did we actually spend on the inside here when there's so many other earbuds that have honestly really cheap ones that can do you know single earbud you choose which one um i don't know like there's even though these are what 280 279 yeah 279 280 dollars there's some things like that make it feel a little bit cheaper than it should be you should be able to have this paired with your computer and your smartphone at the same time uh no questions asked you shouldn't have to choose between the two but also then like the case i don't know about you but for me it just feels hollow and flimsy when we've had so many other cases the past couple months or even the past year that feel really good my my number one comparison is the pixel buds case uh that it's it's got this nice tactile feel to it it doesn't feel hollow at all um and then what's the other one i i really love the huawei f- um, free buds the free buds three hmm. uh that case it's a it's glossy plastic case but i love the the round puck feel to it and it's extremely solid i actually just sit there with uh, the huawei case and i just open and close it all the time this one here like if you open the lid halfway it feels kind of like if you move it with your thumb if, for me it feels like it's gonna fall off yeah um, and then it has that sort of like it it'll there's a certain uh, portion of the axis on that on the case opening that like it'll stay open. It'll lock open, yeah. Yeah, but it's so, right at the very end. Mm-hmm. And which and is you have an to, interesting like, choice. It, I, and you have to kind of push it over that threshold a little bit. Yeah, which is an interesting choice. I don't know of any truly wireless earbuds where you want to keep that 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 case open <laughs> to such an extent. You know, I mean, for us YouTubers, it's nice to have for the videos that we're gonna make, but. Yeah, um, I, I see where you're coming from with the case, uh, but I love obviously we love that it's a lot smaller. Um, oh yeah, it's a huge improvement over the previous one, that's for sure. Yep, uh, wireless charging capable as well, um, and you got the one. I like the LED that they used on the front. See, this is what I mean. No other truly wireless earbud has at all garnered this level of scrutiny and anticipation. I've just looked up the just the I, I put the model name in Google just uh, right before the show, and there were reviews upon reviews of reviews, and there were so many people saying like this was this was the earbud I was waiting for, this is the earbud I was waiting for, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I agree with all of them that you know there's there's a couple of issues like the single point, the controls, and and a couple of the other issues, but man, these sound incredible. The A and C is awesome. It's it is very much a triumph. It is very much like. If you are looking, if you are a person who enjoys your music and your podcast and your audio content, my goodness, you have to try these. I was recently asked by a friend, what truly wireless earbuds can I get? Because the Pixel Buds 2 just keep cutting out their connection on my phone. And I was like, and I was like, what's your budget? And he goes, 200. I'm like, oh, you like eliminate like five of my favorite earbuds right there, including the Sonys. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, the previous generations are now 
getting steep discounts, I've heard. So, you know, if you don't mind the look and the design of the previous model and don't need IP ratings for working out in the gym, it's really still one of the best options that are out there. But um, that means you'll have to give up the better noise cancellations that this offers and also the battery life. The battery life. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I, I still haven't been able to, in a single day, drain the earbuds completely. Granted, I've only had these for two and a half days now. Uh, but eight hours with noise cancellation on, you can be listening to music or watching a movie or your favorite TV show for eight hours with ANC on. And if you switch it off, you get 13 hours, which is insane. I don't know. Yeah. Like That's one of the, the, I think the battery life is the reason why I mentioned the fact that you can only use the right earbud if you want to do single, um, singular earbud. But that's all, that is a gripe of mine. That is a feature I look for in truly wireless earbuds. But because the battery life is so long, it's it's pretty much okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have to give them props for that. Um, okay, so the um, oh, any final thoughts on the Sony's before I move on? No, that's. I mean, I'm I'm still putting together thoughts for the full review. I've only been using them for a couple of days now, but I, I've been waiting for these. Since last year, I was hoping there was going to be, you know, a, another generation of these coming out sooner than they did. But I've, I, I think the wait's definitely well worth it, and I think Sony's still proving that it's king of the wireless earphone space and earbud space, uh, with so many other products that are coming out these days that are a lot cheaper. Uh, but if you want the best of the best, you got to pay for it, and Sony's the way to go. Yeah. Now, counterpoint. Um, there is another pair of earbuds that I'm currently I'm I'm doing the review on them today um, in this in the office with the setup I have. Um, first thing I want to show off is um, this is one of the better media kits that I've ever gotten uh, because it came in this wonderful Cotopaxi little like fanny pack right that I've actually been using. Part of the reason why I've been using it, and I don't know if they knew this about me or not, but if you look at this tag here inside. Even in Tagalog, it says here, made with pride in the Philippines. So I was like, oh, snap, you know I'm going to use this bag. <laughs> <laughs> and there's even, a, there's even a Philippine flag in one of the flaps here. Like, uh, rather, the sun, the sun logo over here. It was made exclusively for JV. Absolutely. Like, well, once the box came in and I opened it up, I was like, whoa. Like, I'm almost more excited for the bag than I am for these <laughs> earbuds. But the branding is here. So we have Jaybird, and here are the Jaybird Vista 2. Um, as Nick can see, I'm actually, this is my dry run for how I'm going to do my live stream. I'm actually showing off the overhead rig and, <laughs> but in any case, these are the Jaybirds. Um, so Jaybird Vista, another pair of earbuds from two years ago, two ish years ago that I really mm -hmm. loved, but I never really talked about. And now they finally have another version. Um, part of the reason why I adore the Jaybird Vistas back then, and I adore these now is because they are one of the more full featured ones. They actually champion the whole wingtip design. So it's actually a part of the earbud. And, and Jaybird's been doing that for years. Exactly. With, been, with their, even before their truly wireless earbuds, just the, the Bluetooth headphones that they had uh, behind the neck and the, even the cord, corded ones. Yeah, it, it's, it's what made them like the, the darling gym earbud uh, back in the day. And I always wondered, like, why do people not talk about Jaybird anymore? And now with the Vista 2, hopefully they will because, okay, so quick things here. Um, since we're talking about the Sonys, between the Sonys and the Jaybirds, obviously the Sonys are going to sound leaps and bounds better, uh, and they do. The thing is, in these earbuds, priced at one ninety nine, 
you do get A and C, which is good enough. Like, it's not amazing the way that the Sonys are, which we just said. But they're perfect for the gym, so you are going to, like, uh, the person on the treadmill next to you, you're not going to hear. Um, and I can I can attest to that. I've, I've literally done that. Um, you also get a good uh, ambient noise, ambient sound environment mode called Surround Sense that actually amplifies. If you wanted to, you can amplify your environment, and it makes it very comfortable to wear these and have conversations and have environmental awareness. But the other thing that I think most people need to look for, and this is something only the Jaybird Vista 2s have, IP68 on the actual earbuds. These are the most rugged earbuds I've ever used. Uh, And you're damn right I used them in the shower. (laughs) Well, an IP68 means you could technically take them swimming. Indeed. Um, As long as the Bluetooth connection is good enough to be still connected to your phone while underwater. Through the water, yeah. (laughs) Through the water. No, but I've used, I can't remember which ones they were, but I've used IP68 earbuds before. And uh, as long as you're not 30 to 40 feet away from your phone and diving, you know, a foot or two under the water, like if you're just doing laps in a pool, it'll still stay connected. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, they have been one of the uh, one of the brands that really brought us into the sports wireless earbuds um, segment over the years, but they've kind of got lost as everyone else came into the market. But yeah. the previous generations, um, I, I would say I love them really good. the The fins that they have excellent for me, especially for going to run, uh, much better than the pixel buds. Uh, those fins, as you, if you guys can't see them, but look, look for a picture. Uh, they, they will hold them in your ear as tight as you can imagine. And the one thing I also love about Jaybird is that they have within their app, they have quite a few different audio profiles and music presets so that you can um, fine tune the audio profiles for the music that you're listening to. Uh, Something that's really lacking on a system level on Android, uh, not being able to have an equalizer. uh, And the the Sony app does have an equalizer, which is really good. The one thing that Sony also has is ambient uh, tuning so that it tunes the audio based off of the room that you're in. Uh, which is really good, but um, Jaybird does a really good job on that front as well. It's not the audio is never going to be quite as good as what Sony does, but for the price, in this case, about eighty dollars cheaper, it's still an excellent, excellent choice. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with just the feature set. Like that's really all it is. The feature set is just so robust for the price that you get. So it's not going to be an audiophile level earbud, but it's something you should consider if those features are still things you want to have for a cheaper price. Um, I would never say they sound bad. It's just the sound stage is a lot more narrow. You don't hear the separation that we would want. Like voices seem to be right next to the instruments, and that's not what you want from audiophile level ear earphones, no matter what kind they are, wireless or not. Yeah, and the battery life on these ones is better than the previous generation as well, isn't it? Indeed, yes. And you can use either earbud um, out of the case. So you get, with with ANC on, or even the surround sense, using either of those two sound modes, you get between six and eight hours. And I've gone about seven. Um, eight hours is what you get with those modes off. So as just regular earbuds, it's eight hours. Uh, but yeah. yeah, these are, truly wireless earbuds are an interesting category because there's a certain level of anticipation that they get 
And with the Sonys, that's obvious. But with the Jaybirds, I gotta say, like, I'm I'm happy that I see Jaybird back in the in the mix again. Um, the Jaybirds were announced a couple of days ago, and I'm I'm gonna finish my video on it today, obviously. Uh, but yeah, look forward to more on the Sonys. Um, I forgot to do a break before we hit the half hour mark. Um, so maybe I'll just cut it into the right before we talk about the Sonys. Um, but I did want to get a couple of final thoughts for the last like 10 or so minutes of this episode. Did you follow the other piece of news from this week, which was of course, WWDC? I did. Yes. Watch the <laughs> WDDC live stream. Um, the opening of that was extremely odd. I don't know if you caught the opening and how overly produced it was and kind of cheesy in my words the only thing i remember having a reaction to was his name's craig right i can never pronounce his last name but craig craig federici Feder- no, i don't i don't want to <laughs> you're not up. even I, 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 I messed up dieter's name earlier i don't want to mess up dieter's um, dieter bone bone um, it's like okay. a bone like a bone okay i'll remember that um because i see the h in in my head and i'm wondering how how to navigate that it's just silent <laughs> oh, okay um, anyway, the, the one that I'll always remember from WWDC was the whole, when he got to the privacy section of the show and then he like hit a button jumped on the floor, into the floor and he jumped, he didn't just jump in. It wasn't even a natural jump. Like it was a freeze frame of him in a Mario stance. <laughs> and then the next scene was him falling from the ceiling and landing on the floor. It, I don't know. Apple shouldn't try special effects is what I'm getting at. But their cinematography is amazing. A lot of people were on Twitter talking about like, I wanted to respond to this, but I didn't, you know, I'm snarky when it comes to events, even with companies that I like. And I'm not saying I don't like Apple. It's just I'm snarky in general when events are happening. One funny thing was that people were saying, I want to know what cameras they're using. The bokeh is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to respond with, you mean the same cameras they use in Korean dramas? Have you seen a Korean drama close up? (laughs) It's the bokeh is incredible on the on these shows um so yeah n- nothing new to me in that sense but well spe- and a lot of it could also be green screen so Fair. the bokeh could be fake as well so the dynamic range was was pretty off the charts i will i will admit um so it might have been green screen for sure but in any case uh speaking of things that were quote unquote not new um i don't know about you you're on a i can tell you're on a on a huawei laptop right now but the were you anticipating at all the way that I was a new MacBook and then were subsequently disappointed when nothing was announced? Uh, no, not really. I mean, based off of the rumor mills and how things have been going, there wasn't really anything that indicated that a new MacBook announcement was imminent or would be at the show. I mean, that's not to say that there's not going to be something within the next month or so, but True. there wasn't any indication just like there wasn't any indication that Google was going to announce any hardware at Google I.O. this year. Um, so I, I think that was a little bit overplayed by Apple fans simply wanting a new MacBook without basing their wants in the world of reality, as in there's nothing in the rumor mill that even suggests that anything was going to be released. Mm, fair enough. Uh, so it was obviously, and, and we do have to remember, it's a developer conference, so they're going to talk software, exactly. they're going to talk development. Um, so with a lot of the stuff that was announced, I guess we can touch upon a few of the main things. But one of the sentiments that people always have whenever Apple announces new software features is that, oh, Android did it first. Oh, Windows did it first. Mostly Android, but oh, Android did it first. And being editor-in-chief of Fandroid, did you have sort of that same sentiment? 
did I miss an article of yours dissecting all of the? <laughs> no, no, you didn't. Mainly for the fact of uh, we, I, I used to write those articles. Go back four or five years ago that, you know, WWDC, this is when I would write an article like that. Um, and, <laughs> I, but at this point, I'm, I'm really, I really don't care anymore. It's mm -hmm. software. There's, I, I'm of the standpoint of there's nothing new under the sun. Even when Google, let's, let's say someone, it doesn't matter if it's Apple or Android, introduces something new. That's not really new because some person somewhere has created concept art of that same thing five years ago. They just didn't have, you know, the software know-how or they created something similar in an application and it's been around on the Play Store or the App Store for years. And finally, the big players are catching wind of it and incorporated some of those features into the operating system. Yeah. None of this is new. Let's, let's be clear. It's... The only time anything was really new was when, I don't know, <laughs> it, it goes back years. I mean, Android came along and it wasn't new. They copied the interface from iOS because before that it wasn't a touch interface, but they introduced widgets. So that was new, right? And then HTC came along, you know, six months later and said, here's HTC Sense and here's a million and one widgets. And then a decade and a half later, Apple invents widgets for iOS, right? <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things like it, it doesn't matter anymore. The, these ideas have been happening over and over and over again. Some features get removed and then three years later get put back in. It's, We're also at the mercy I'm so, of... I'm just tired of that conversation. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I've, I've had the whole um, sentiment against tech tribalism. I guess that's the way mm -hmm. that I would put it. And it's so it's such a exhausting and tiresome argument to make. And which, which is why I find it interesting to actually touch upon it. But um, I find it funny that we're also we also have to realize that as consumers slash reporters, bloggers, whatever you want to call us, personalities, we're also at the very mercy of marketing jargon. Because whenever a new quote unquote thing comes up, it's because they, they create the language in their presentation to make it seem new. So in your case, what you just said was, they invented widgets, quote unquote, they didn't really, obviously, they did not invent widgets. But what they did invent for their own ecosystem is making widgets possible on any home screen of an iPad. Mm -hmm. And through that language, they expect the rounding applause, which inevitably would happen if it was an in-person event. <laughs> well, and it's one of those things that like, well, why didn't you have widgets on every home screen already? Like, yeah. wh why, did, why was the implementation that you had before on you know, the smartphones essentially not brought over to the iPad in the same way? Mm-hmm. And, and you expect, you know, a pat on the back for doing something that was blatantly obvious. Like, yeah, it's great that it's there, but come on, guys. Like, it's same not thing that with hard. Uh, App Library, right? Which is essentially Apple's app drawer. And it, now, now that's on iOS. I mean, uh, iPad OS. On the iPad, yeah. And it, it, again, it's like, so you implemented on one and not the other and took, you know, an extra year to get it over to the other platform when. <laughs> There's no reason why I had to wait that long. Which, but honestly, which is, like on on a larger screen device like uh -huh. the iPad, it looks so good. 
like having mm-hmm. those widgets on on the home screen or any of the screens on on the iPad makes it look so good. I've actually been the last year or so I've been playing around with widgets a lot more on my Android device because as most Android users know, yes, there are thousands of widgets for you to use, but there's not that many good widgets for you yeah, to use. It's true. And I think uh since since Apple introduced them on ios there's kind of been this little bit of a revival of widgets on android uh, so it's kind of good that apple finally did it because some some developers are taking some some of those design ideas and those aesthetics bring them over to android rather than having you know just a square widget with a you know 50 percent transparency on the background and put some text over it let's add some design elements to it as well uh, those of you listening can't see my home screen right now, but this is this is what oh, yeah. I have on on the ZTE. I've got a nice huge music widget at the bottom that shows the album art, and someone's created a an Android 12 clock widget that you can download now on Android 11. See, I I, I agree on the the widget front that you know if you were to get a little creative with it, you can create a page that is in in immensely useful. Um, mm-hmm. I personally don't like putting them on my home screens. I actually use the Microsoft launcher right now where you can put widgets on their like left side screen. Um, so I put them all there and it, I just scroll through and, and grab the ones that I want. Uh, but yeah, it's because uh, <laughs> if if someone were uh, like a historian of Apple software, they would say widgets were originally made on Mac it was originally a Mac OS feature that came before literally anything else, even before smartphones were a thing because um, they had the thing. Did they call it the shade back then or whatever it was called where you hit like F9 and it brings you like this sort of overlay. And that was where the widgets were. That was the original widget. And you know, you can nitpick all you want, but it's still like now we have them on iPad OS, but on the, on the topic of iPad, well, I mean, we had we had widgets going back all the way to Windows XP way back in the day as well. I mean, yeah. I, does do the Mac ones precede those ones? I I don't know. That's a good question. I wouldn't know that far back. I'm not the historian. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> um, but yeah, the on the topic of iPad, and the thing is, we're not going to go too in depth with the WWDC stuff, partially because I'm planning next week to have Jaime on to expound upon what I'm about to say. He has the iPad M1 12.9, and he has so many thoughts. And I believe his thoughts probably echo a lot of people on Twitter who were live live tweeting uh, the event. More and more, with Apple putting the M1 in more products, people are hoping that the capabilities of said products are going to increase. But that was not the case whatsoever <laughs> at WWDC. When iPadOS did get a number of these uh, enhancements, widgets, uh, a, a revamped Safari browser with like a better way of showing tabs or a different way. And that's great and all. But on an M1 iPad, people are expecting that final cut. They're expecting that that Apple, uh, not Apple, they're expecting the Adobe Premiere. They're expecting like basically the Mac OS experience to start to come to iPad. And a lot of people were very disappointed when pretty much none of that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. Like there's still this separation between the two platforms that I think still needs to be there because mm-hmm. 
there's there's a fundamental difference between a tablet and a laptop, even though Microsoft's been trying to blur those lines for years. But I think anyone who owns a Surface device will tell you it's more of a laptop than it is a tablet, even though you know it has a detachable keyboard. Um, and Apple's still struggling to kind of find the right language to describe what that experience should be and if you have if you're having issues describing it how much harder is it to actually create it so if you don't have a clear picture in words as to what that experience is how can you have a clear picture in code and a user experience as to what those differences are between the two in a perfect world you'd be able to run this dual boot into ipad os and you know mac os on 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 both devices, right? You put a yeah. touch screen on the laptops and, you know, have, you know, give users the capability to run Mac OS on the other device, um, right? Like, so that you can have those differenti differentiated experience on both. Um, and of course, having, having to have two operating systems on a single device is a stupid idea as well, but that's the only way as of right now as to where those operating systems are and where they currently are headed. That's the only way that you're going to have those specific experiences on both devices is if you have dual booting operating systems. Yeah, that's true. Um, one thing that was nice though, I will give, I will tip the hat to Apple for that feature. Is it a part of continuity where you can actually control a cursor among all of your Mac and iPad? Um, devices. They didn't show an iPhone. I was expecting them to, but they didn't. It was an iMac, a MacBook, and an iPad, and they were able to seamlessly transition between all of them using the trackpad of the MacBook. Um, and it was pretty interesting. Not, not just seamlessly transition with a mouse, but drag and drop files between them. So you can pull the mouse over to your iPad, select a handful of files, and drag them over to your MacBook, and it'll transfer them between the two devices. Yeah, that's that's I think the it's the like experience. airdrop on steroids. Pretty yeah, much. I mean it, it's it's airdrop, uh, yeah, the airdrop on steroids. But this unified experience. I think we talked about last time on the podcast about how Huawei with their Harmony OS is allowing you to multitask between devices. Yeah. This is kind of a similar, like it, it's a different experience. Uh, this allows, you know, multiple devices to essentially act as one device where the Huawei multitasking experience is allowing you to pick up from one device to another and still have, you know, a uniform, con uniform continued flow between the two. Um, even though Huawei does have the capability of you pulling up essentially screen sharing on a Windows laptop, your tablet or a smartphone and interact with your tablet or smartphone from the laptop itself. So there's there's a lot of different ways you can go about similar capabilities. Um, I, I'm just glad that we're at the point where devices can actually talk to themselves to different devices seamlessly without an extensive pairing and unpairing and trying to sync devices. Um, I, I think this unified ecosystem experience that we're seeing, not just from Apple, but other manufacturers as well, is going to make the next two or three years really exciting as we work out. There's so many kinks that are going to be found with this, but we're going to get those worked out pretty quickly, I'm hoping. Yeah. A um, couple of last things. I don't want this show to go way too long. Uh, but yeah, uh, on the mobile front, we have a couple of things. Apple Wallet 
First thing, I just want a quick reaction to putting your actual ID in Apple Wallet. Um, for what reason? Because no one's <laughs> going to accept it as a form of ID. That's my point. Yeah. Like, like I, I can't wait to see all the people who are going to get on TikTok and say they wouldn't let me in the club because I couldn't show them my Apple but like, Wallet. It's like, what is it going to like? It's going to show a picture of your ID. Like that can't that be photoshop you can't shine how, a uv light over that thing like bouncers no, do but, but like yeah that's like how can you verify that it's legitimate i can take a photo and photoshop something and then take a picture of it with my phone and that's my id now mm -hmm. and that's gonna be like i i don't get that and also the only places that require you to use an id are security checkpoints right like no police officer is going to say, show me your ID and you hand them your phone. And they're like, no, this does not count as your ID. Yeah. Um, you know, going to a club, as you said, people trying to check, you know, age verification and going to the airport. Like, no, that's no one's going to be like, yeah, I have an Apple ID. Check my iPhone. Yeah, you're going to need to have the physical copy anyway. Like, it, it's got to be there. I mean, no such thing as a phone passport. You still have to travel with your physical passport, even if you have a digital passport on you. Like, you have to have both because there are going to be times when you need that physical one. So it's, it's, it's interesting that they... I know they made a big hubbub about it during uh, WWDC, but I just kept thinking, that's not going to... So many places There's are no, not going to take it. Well, there's nowhere in society that would accept it right now. Like, zero. Yeah. So... And Congratulations, the, you created a product that nobody can use. <laughs> now, the final one, uh, talking about ecosystems bridging gaps between them, apparently, uh, and we've seen a few creators actually show this off in their YouTube videos, we saw a lot of creators actually have a conversation with Craig, um, Mr. Craig, on FaceTime, uh, because FaceTime got a big update in the sense that you can actually invite people who are not on Apple devices to your FaceTime mm -hmm. calls. Maybe they're in a green bubble, perhaps, but now you can have Android users. This is not iMessage on Android, like what most people want. Well, it, it's a form of iMessage on Android without Android users being able, well, not iMessage, but um, FaceTime. video calls, FaceTime. Yeah. Um, it's FaceTime on Android without Android or FaceTime on any device because this runs in a web app. So mm -hmm. any device that can run this web app, be a, let it be a Linux computer, if it's a Chromebook, if it's Windows machine, if it's an Android tablet or smartphone, you can send people, iOS users can send people a FaceTime link. They click the link so they would get it in their messaging app. They would click the link kind of like you would click on a Zoom meeting link, which we're all familiar with this past year. And then it opens up the web app, launches your webcam and or your selfie cam on your smartphone, and you're inside a FaceTime call with iOS users. This is the most ingenious way of allowing FaceTime users to communicate with non-iOS users without actually allowing Android users or Windows users into the fold because they cannot initiate these links at all. Yeah. It's like, here's a teaser. Like, you can communicate with these people, but, well, they can communicate with you, but you can't communicate with them. Yeah, you're, you're invited. It's a one-way street. Exactly. You're invited, but you have no power. <laughs> yeah, but I, honestly, I never in a million years did I think Apple would implement something like this. Okay. It is, uh, I think... 
I, I don't want to call it an olive branch because it's definitely not. An olive branch would be, hey, here's an Android app that allows you to do FaceTime calls. Imagine that. And, but it's it's a way for them to to recognize that, you know what, here specifically in the U.S., which is the largest market for iOS devices where they're about 50-50, this means you can now have, or iOS users can now have conversations, video calls with the other 50%. And then even more so in other markets where Apple has, you know, anywhere from 10 to 35% of the market share, this greatly improves the, the usability of their operating system simply because they're not locking anybody out from who their users want to call, which is a really good thing. Mm. You never want to be in, in the situations where here's this great product. You can only use it 20% of the time. That I mean, that's completely pointless. Like at that point, everybody is using WhatsApp. Everybody is using uh, Telegram or other services or Skype or Zoom to make video calls because they know it can work 100% of the time. If somebody doesn't have the app installed on their device, they'll click the link and they'll get it installed on their device. And it's an option for them. Whereas FaceTime up until now was if you're not part of the club, you're completely out, which means people in the club were not able to use that service when they were trying to communicate with everybody else. Yeah. I love the metaphor of the club. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it is a club. It's a nice club to be in when you're in it. But you know, if, if the club walls are too high and you just want to see what's on the other side and want to have a conversation with somebody on the other side of the wall, uh, tough luck. But now you, probably, now you have an option. And you probably wouldn't even be able to get into the club with your Apple wallet ID anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, though? I, I I know we're wrapping things up here, but I, the one thing with watchOS that I really liked. Oh, yeah. That mm -hmm. that I it's the stupidest thing, but their new portrait clock. Watch oh, that's faces, right. I totally forgot about that. I love that. Can I can I say that's the best idea I've ever seen to use portrait style photos? So for those who don't know, you've always been able to do photo uh, watch faces on iOS devices as you can on Wear OS and pretty much any other smartwatch that's out there. Uh, but now there, if you take a photo using uh, portrait mode on your iPhone, it uses the layered back and f I, don't, I don't know how to call it, the, the front portion of the photo and then there's layers for the back portion of the photo. And now with creating these watch faces, you can insert the time and date or any other uh, complication features from the watch in between the layers so that let's say it's a picture of josh on the front i can then put the time behind josh and then behind him is the background of the photo so it looks stacked it looks like it looks like an image someone created in photoshop and spent mm -hmm. you know 20 minutes working on but you can create these on the fly with dozens of different you know font sizes uh, and i think they have an option where it just creates one automatically you can just you know sift through them as to you know what the look and feel is i, I think this is amazing mm -hmm. I yeah, I, I would love to use it. I just haven't been on my Apple Watch in quite some time. Um, but yeah, I'll be able to mess with that pretty soon. Uh, everyone and their mothers is putting the betas on all of their devices this week. Uh, so yeah, we had to touch upon it. But Jaime will be on next week to be able to talk at length about, well, I want to say thoughts. I'm not going to assume they're negative. <laughs> but thoughts on the iPad Pro M1 12.9 and, of course, updates to the iPad OS, which we kind of touched upon in the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, but, yeah, that should pretty much do it for this episode. Nick, thank you so much. Uh, I didn't even give us a break. Like, we, we got through an hour and 10 minutes of just going and going, uh, mostly about earphones. I'm over earphones. here sweating. 
sweating in my office over here. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's right. You were going to use the brake to turn on the, I, the, the, the AC. The AC. And <laughs> maybe next time. So sorry. In any case, uh, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode and get into the outro so that Nick can turn on his AC again starting now. Awesome. My mistake. You're killing me. <laughs> Follow all of the links for myself, Nick, Fandroid, and of course Pocket Now in the links that are in the show notes. As far as Pocket Now is concerned, you can head over to pocketnow.com for all of the latest headlines. Uh, find us on social media at Pocket Now on Instagram and Twitter. And then, of course, head over to youtube.com slash Pocket Now for video content that is coming out pretty much every single day. With all of that said, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, and we will see you in our next episode.